How many of you know what a mulligan is? Well, it's a term used in golfing. It means do-over. When a golfer makes a bad shot and wants to redo it without adding an additional stroke to his score, he just calls a mulligan and takes the shot again. You know, this is really a pretty good rule that makes golf a better game, especially for the amateurs like me, since the greenskeepers tend to not cut the grass where I usually end up playing. You know, the idea of a mulligan is useful in life, too. There are times when we need a second chance, a new start, a do-over. One of the basic tenets of the gospel is that we get a second chance, and there's no question that we need one. Some of you may remember that back in 1998, quarterback Kerry Collins enraged the Carolina Panther management and fans when he asked to be removed as starting quarterback. Carolina didn't waste any time getting rid of him. He disgraced the league when he was arrested for driving under the influence of alcohol. Most sports people believe that his career in the National Football League was over. Everyone except for good old Mike Ditka, whose attitude was, we all make mistakes. This kid deserves a second chance. And to the surprise of many, and the dismay of some, I'm sure, Kerry Collins was given the opportunity to play in the NFL again. He entered rehab and was able to recover from his earlier mistakes and rebuild his career. In fact, in 2000, he led his team to the Super Bowl. And 11 years later, Kerry was still hanging in there. Everyone, it seems, at one time or another, needs a fresh start. When Jesus came into the world, he came offering a fresh start. However, he does more than give us a do-over or a mulligan. He makes sure that we have everything we need to make our second chance work right from the start. So if you need a do-over, today we're going to look at four things that Jesus does to help you do it right from the start. And we're going to do this by taking a look at John chapter 1, verses 29 through 42. Now, the first thing Jesus does is he removes your sin. In verse 29 of our text, it says, The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. In the temple in Jerusalem, a lamb was sacrificed for the sins of the people every morning and every evening. You can read all about that in Exodus 29, verses 38 to 42. This daily sacrifice was made until the temple was destroyed in 70 AD. Now what John was saying was this, a lamb is offered every day and night for the sins of the people, but here is the lamb who will once and for all deliver us from our sins. Now the death of Jesus is more than a historical event and more than just a tragedy. The death of Jesus made possible the salvation of the whole world. When he died on the cross, the price for your sin was paid. 1 John 2 verse 2 says, He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. You see, Jesus doesn't just overlook your sins. He has eliminated them because he paid the price for them. Sin deserves punishment, and Jesus paid the, the price. They're gone. Once you put your faith in him as your Lord and Savior, the problem of sin is settled once and for all. There's nothing you can do to pay for the sins that you've committed because Christ, the Messiah, has paid for them through his death. Perhaps you've heard the old hymn, Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. 
You know, this is the outrageous gospel. This is why they call it amazing grace. Even though you're guilty of sin, through God's wonderful love and mercy, you can be acquitted and declared not guilty. Romans 3, 24 and 25 say, We are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. Maybe some of you remember the uh, movie Bonnie and Clyde. And toward the end of the movie, when they had become weary of living on the lamb, Faye Dunaway says to Warren Beatty, Wouldn't it be great if we could walk out of here today clean, with no record and no arrest warrants against us, and start our lives over? Well, friends, God offers us that sort of chance. No matter what has happened in the past, you can be forgiven. We can't always escape human results of our actions, but God offers a complete acquittal in heaven. He wipes the slate clean and washes us whiter than snow. But second, Jesus gives you power to live. Verse 12 says, It is he who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. Now what does that phrase mean, baptize with the Holy Spirit? Well, that's what we talked about last week, and you may want to go back and listen to the last week's message again. But, but just for a point of clarification, that Greek word that's translated baptize means to dip or to submerge. In ancient Greece, it was used to describe clothes being dipped in dye. It was also used to describe a person who was so drunk that he was completely under the influence. When John says that Jesus will baptize with the Holy Spirit, he is saying that Jesus fills us with God's Spirit in such a way that it takes control of our lives. We need more than forgiveness. We need more than a clean slate and a second chance. We need the power to live right. The Holy Spirit is that source of power. He gives us the strength to live holy lives. Jesus said in Act 1.8, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Power is the ability to make changes. This is the power God gives, the ability to make lasting changes in our lives. We may struggle with sin and failure from time to time, but if we rely on Him with all our strength, and respond to our faith with all of his strength and give us the power to live a holy life. And third, Jesus is with you always. Verses 35 to 39 say, The next day John was there with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and said, What do you want? They said, Rabbi, that means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying and spent that day with him. Now imagine for a moment that your goal is to become physically fit. But instead of reading about fitness, you decide to learn about health from someone who has experienced it firsthand. Let's say, kind of like Billy Blanks, that Tybo guy. Instead of having Billy tell you how to get into shape, what if you could just follow him around all day? You would eat when and what he eats. When he works out, you work out. Now he may bench press 450 pounds and you may bench press 110, but still you work out alongside him. When he rests, you rest. If he does it, you do it. If he doesn't do it, you don't do it either. 
Now, how long do you think it would be before this round-the-clock therapy took effect and you found yourself in great physical shape? Maybe a few weeks, maybe a few months, but eventually you would see the results. Jesus offers us this same opportunity. We can live around the clock in his presence. The Gospels offer an around-the-clock portrait of Jesus the Messiah. We see him beginning each day with prayer, eating with friends, attending synagogue on the Sabbath, traveling from place to place, visiting Peter's home, attending the wedding of a friend, and on and on. In each of these events, Jesus brought the touch of God to everyday life, and he will do the same for you. Jesus taught his disciples, and he teaches us, that you don't just visit God at church on Sundays. You can live in his presence 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year. He is always with you. In fact, before he ascended to heaven, the last statement Jesus made to his disciples was, And surely I am with you always, to the very end of the age. And fourth, Jesus calls you by a new name. This is what he does. He gives his followers a new name and a new life. He said in verse 42, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which, when translated, is Peter. See, before Jesus, he was just Simon, the fisherman. After he met Jesus, he became Peter, the rock. Before, he was just a businessman. After, he became a world changer. Peter went from being impulsive, hot-headed, and prejudiced to being a strong, dynamic, spiritual leader. The transformation didn't take place overnight. You see Peter's mistakes through the Gospels and the Acts. But the important thing is that the transformation did take place. Peter became a new man. And Jesus gave him a new name long before Peter did anything to deserve it. Now, I don't know by what name you have been calling yourself, but God has given you a new name. You may have labeled yourself sinner or failure or loser, but just like Peter, God has given you a new name. He knows what your potential is, and he knows that you can live up to it. His expectations for you aren't foolish or unrealistic. He knows what you can be, and he has the power to help you become it. Paul wrote to the Corinthians, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. A teacher was asking her students what they wanted to be when they grew up. Some said baseball player, some said ballerina, some said firefighter, the typical answers. When she got to one little boy, he said, I want to be possible. The teacher said, what do you mean by possible? He said, well, my mom always tells me I'm impossible. When I grow up, I want to become possible. Well, guess what, friends? You can become possible. You may have been impossible in the past. You may have sinned. You may have messed up your life. But God will give you a new start. And it gives you everything you need to succeed in life. A new name, a new nature, a clean slate, and the power to live a new life. When you get a second chance, and when you need a second chance, God offers one. And he will give you everything you need to make it right from the start. May God bless us all in that pursuit. And until next time, see the vision, live the mission, and feel the passion.